Yes, guys, how are we doing? Welcome back to the Talking Sense podcast, episode six. Uh, it's a different one this week. We've got a guest with us, so me and Dan, we've got Andy with us. Um, and the topic of this week's podcast is resilience. Andy, would you like to um, tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> it's like being at school, isn't it? I know, Everyone yeah. stand up <laughs> and say something about yourself. That's <laughs> like that. Name's Andy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I am. I'm well. I, I originally started as a personal trainer almost 17 years ago. Makes me feel old as fuck. Um, and then I've been a prep coach since 2011. And at the moment, almost exclusively, the main thing that I do is all around life coaching and you know focusing on mindset, mentality, and, and things like that. And coming on podcasts. There you are. That must find anyone like you too. Been in the uh, PT game longer than me. I know, yeah. <laughs> I know. And then I'm going down the road of life coaching, so... Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. I've been following yourself for a while. Um, obviously, we've, we've spoken in the gym and whatnot, but I, I think Andy's content's, you know, mint. And I've been wanting to talk about this topic for quite a while. It's something that I'm pretty big on. And I know it's something that you're pretty big on. And, yeah. You know, the link between Studying. this and yourself, Andy, I wanted to get you on. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about resilience. Um, you know, how to create a resilient mind, all things, you know, to do with that mental toughness and all that kind of thing. Um, so first question first, Andy, what is resilience to you? For me, the easiest way to, I suppose, explain it is for me, the ability to either endure stress without deviating from the track that you want to be walking on, or if you do deviate, the ability to snap back. Yeah. So if something happens in life that's completely unplanned, completely unexpected, and it does derail you, the ability to then, as soon as that is done, just get back on track, no fucking around, that is a, a key mark of resilience. Or the ability to just keep getting hit with shit and just keep going anywhere. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's, uh, it is, I think, I think that the main, whenever, well, it's just, just life in general, and you know everyone has just going through life everyone everyone has their own shit don't they you know everyone you, you you're not going to meet many people that don't have um or come across shit times whatever it might be you know there's i mean god knows how many categories of that there is but how people can deal with that stress and you know deal with their emotions and, and get through them times and you know stay stay strong I suppose is a is a good way of putting it. I think, I think um, pain in general is something that we all can relate to, isn't it? Like everybody that every human you know on in existence is going to experience pain at some point. Um, yeah. And I think the, what what we want to highlight here is you know mental toughness and resilience. You know when it comes to resilience, I think a lot of people fall into a category where they think they're resilient because they're good at avoiding pain. Um, but, you know, to me, that and to yourself, like you said, that isn't what resilience is. It's being able to embrace it and acknowledge it, you know, process it and then, and yeah. then, and then work from there. You have um, to, um, I suppose in a way you have to have, have been through something, don't you? To, to learn more about how you know well naturally resilient you might might be or you go through experiences that that make you more um resilient and you can yeah, do, i mean the thing deal is, with future things better 
it, it, it's that that's a key element of it it's the things that you've been through but it's how you've reacted to the things that you've been through that is going to define whether you're resilient or not or how quickly you will become resilient once you begin focusing on it because you'll get a lot of people that believe that they're resilient or they're strong because they've been through x y and z but then 10 years down the line they're still talking about x y and z yeah. they're still reliving the emotion of it they're still constantly recirculating the same pain that's not resilience no like for me the, the resilience comes from experiencing those life traumas accepting it for what it is at the time dealing with it and then moving on so you leave it where it is one, one of the key elements of my coaching is teaching people to release the emotional anchors that they've got that they've got in their life and that they've experienced because anytime you go through any particular trauma say it could be the loss of a loved one you know a really bad breakup or anything like that at that point where you experience that intensity of emotion an anchor's dropped and most people just never break that chain because they're constantly reliving it. Every time they get into a relationship, they're recycling the pain from the past. Oh, my, my ex did this to me. But it's 10 fucking years ago. Yeah. Get over it and fucking move on. Like, deal with it. Because it, it, it sounds harsh, and I've been through this with a lot of clients who are like, fucking hell, you know, it's not very nice, that. But it is a key element of it, and it is true. Once somebody does something to you, they're, they're responsible for the pain that you feel in that moment and in the brief window following that moment. But beyond that, we are responsible for our pain that we feel from that event because we are the ones that continue it. We're the ones that continue to think about the memory of it, relive the emotion of it. And that doesn't make you resilient. That stops you from growing as a person. And for me, the resilience is the ability to accept the fact that you are the one that is causing the pain. Yeah. Forgive, forgive whoever is responsible for what happened and then move on. Yeah. That, that's one key element of it. I think as well, like, um, you, you know, like when you were speaking then firstly about people getting into new relationships or they may be single, but they are, they are, you know, looking for new relationships. But I mean, I've been, you know, I've probably done it myself and I've been in discussions with friends before where that, they're like, they always refer to that past relationship or they always bring up memories of it. And it's like, they are holding on to that emotion and they, they, they're not let, even though they might, well, I don't know if they think they're letting go, but they might let on to others that they are letting go. But you can almost see that because it's, it always comes up in conversation with them or they always relate to it in some way. They, they're holding on to it, which mm -hmm. means like in, in a relationship sense is probably identifying that are you ready to, you know, go into another relationship? Yeah. Or like you said, you need to, you know, you need to lift that anchor up and you need to, um, you know, come up, come away from it and stop and stop. I like, like you're saying, actual resilience is being able to detach yourself from it, accept it for what it is and, and move forward from there and move on. Yeah. Well, the, you know, like I said, it's the ability to snap back. So it's the ability to get back to the line that you were on before that event happened. So you can't do that if you keep holding on to whatever it is that that person did to you, the way that they made you feel, the way that you felt following it, et cetera. You've got to, you've got to let go of that. And then, like I said, snap back and get back on track. But one thing that I think a lot of people make a mistake of when they do, if you left the relationship, for example, and I see this a lot on social media, people say you've got to get back to who you were before it happened. You don't because that's fucking impossible. You can't go through a life event and experience 
and then go back to who you were before that happened. Because if you do, you just you never learn anything. You'll never change. No. You know, if you've experienced the loss of someone, bad relationship, you've been cheated on or whatever, never try to go back to who you were before you dated that person. Learn your lessons from what's happened and then move forwards with a, you know, a stronger mentality. Again, more resilient. Because if you've dealt with being cheated on, if you've dealt with loss, if you've dealt with being fired from a job or being broke or you know, any of the issues that life can throw at you, once you've dealt with it, and you've learned from the experience, you will be a more resilient version of yourself. Yeah. So like, never try to go back to who you used to be. It's like being able to, in, you know, in, in them moments, you, you experience certain emotions, don't you? You, in that moment, you deal with them motion, emotions in, in whatever way. And that's the only way, if, if something like that happens again, um, you know, that's the only way you can almost reflect on it, isn't it? You know, if you've been through it, you can reflect on it. What emotions did I feel? I felt this before. But then if you are wanting to react differently, you know, you might reflect in terms of how could I, you know, I felt these emotions before and this is how I behaved before, but, you know, maybe that didn't do me very good. You know, I've, I've learned from that now. How can I change or how can I approach it differently? Um, I suppose when that, I suppose... That's how reflection of an event and trying to learn more about yourself kind of comes into it a little bit. Um, so the, the, yeah, the value mean, in it is, you know, it's, you've got to be able to see the value in the hard part, haven't you? Um, you know, a lot of people, like we said before, they just, they just try and avoid the pain as much as possible and kind of bury it as, as deep as they can. But, you know, in order to move past anything or, you know, in order to build a more resilient mind over time, you need to be able to reflect on the pain that you've once felt and then you know yeah. come up with a plan uh, on how you can you know then better deal with that in, in in the future because you know ultimately you are going to come under some sort of stress in the in the future at some point you know you everyone's going to you know at some point in their life experience it and you know no matter how shit or, or good you feel now the chances are you're going to feel shit again at some point in the future so yeah. it's important to you know self-reflect on these on these hard times to be able to improve going forward. So everyone all that, some people, for instance, I mean, I suppose it's dependent on, you know, it's a bit more of about maybe naturally who you are, but when you go through bad times and experience, um, you know, bad events in your life, everyone's going to be different in terms of, you know, is it something that they deal with solely and on their own and have the capacity to do that? Or is it, more of a case where they, you know, they have to reach out to others for help. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, I think that's, that's, I mean, is that more, I would imagine that's more dependent on the character and the, like the, the internal characteristics of the person naturally, you know. Um, this leads into a question that I was going to ask you actually, Andy, you know, how, how important is genetics when it comes to um, resilience? It plays, it, it, to be honest, genetics, it permeates everything, whether it's to do with fitness, whether it's to do with your, your mentality, you know, intelligence, anything. There is a genetic element to everything, but it isn't the dominant factor. Yep. So anybody can become more resilient than what they are, but they will have a limitation. Yep. It's just that the majority of people will never get close to that limitation because you've got self-imposed limitations which is what you believe to be your maximum ability and then you've got 
the actual limitation and the actual limitation could be up here, but you know, your perception of yourself has got it way down here. So this is as high as most people will ever actually get. Um, So genetics does play a role, but the way that you've been raised plays a bigger role. I guess one thing that one kind of way to visualize it in your head that I've kind of heard spoken about before is like everyone's capacity, like their brain capacity in this, in this sense, when it comes to resilience or, you know, ability to deal with stressful situations is like, if you can imagine your mind as a bucket and like some people's minds, they just have a bigger, someone's like people's buckets are bigger than others. So for example, if I was, you know, if I had a better capacity to deal with stress or my, I was, you know, more resilient than Dan, say my bucket would be bigger. Uh, which obviously it would take longer for that bucket to fill up. Um, whereas, you know, someone for yourself, if, if Dan was maybe less resilient or less able to deal with the stressful situations, then his fucking bucket may be the size of this cup. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, like we said before, that's the genetic part. You know, my bucket may be this big, his bucket may be this big, but then obviously you can then train that, you can train on top of that to obviously increase the size of that bucket. I think it's um, like... I know, I mean, from what I've been studying, well, I, in fact, I've not been studying, it recently came up in a, in a, in a podcast that I've been listening to uh, about how genetics impacts on everything, um, <laughs> even to a point where, you know, the percentage of you possibly being able to get, like, married in divorce, you know, like, genetics has an actual influence on whether you might get married and, like, your percentage on getting divorced, and it just it blew my mind a little bit, but um, I suppose you've got that genetic influence on your resilience, but then you've got the environmental factors, um, which obviously like how you brought up, you know, people that kind of imprint their personality, possible values, beliefs, and traits on yourself. You know, like I, there's definitely people from my past that have imprinted on my personality that might, may have made me more resilient or may have made me tougher so it's that environmental um I suppose it adds that, to, you know. that that is you know the, the social side of things is definitely a key element but uh, the the bucket reference that you made brad that's true to a to an extent but it's not a finite thing it's not fixed yeah. so yeah. it's not like genetically this is the size of my bucket and genetically this is the size of yours yeah. because you could take someone that at one point in their life had huge resilience and put them around the wrong people continuously put them through very difficult and negatively impacting situations and just change their their environment they can end up becoming somebody that has got a very small bucket yeah yeah yeah. of course you know and in in the same way the the malleability of somebody's mind because it's something that i i've always stood by is that the brain is infinitely reprogrammable so you, you get someone that is in whatever position they are in life, mentally and emotionally, you can reprogram that person's brain. But this is where more of a genetic element can play a role. Get one person that is in exactly the same position as this person. This person might change like that. Every time you speak to them, there's been progress. They, you know, they, their, their desire to change is just through the roof. And they can see the ability in themselves to be able to do it. This person might not. This person might take five years to do what this person does in a couple of months. And it can be a genetic limitation that plays a role in that. But again, it depends on 
their environment because you take the person that seems like they're going to be very, very slow to progress and put them around a group of people that are obsessed with personal development, that are very structured, that are very resilient, that just live, live life on their terms, very individualistic and independent. That person that in the environment that you found them in is struggling like hell, put them in that environment and they will make meteoric progress. Yeah. And that, that is, again, and there's, there's so much to increase in resilience. And for me, one of the fundamentals is checking the lens that you view the world through. Yeah. Because somebody goes through enough shit and that shit's going to stick to the lens. So the world's going to look different through that lens than if you've taken the time to take a step back, clean it off and make sure that it's right. It's almost like going to the opticians for your mind. You know, if your prescription is wrong, everything that you look at in the world, you're going to be seeing the wrong things. You're going to be focusing on the wrong things because you can't see things as they actually are. So you need to check your lens and reframe the, the world that you actually, you know, the world that you're actually experiencing. It's, it's understanding as well, isn't it? The, just what the individual's been through. Like we talked about people experiencing bad things, but you know, some people go through bad time after bad time after bad time. You know, some people are just born into bad times, aren't they? <laughs> Straight away, you know, the childhood's poor, that leads to something else. But, you know, it's... When you get someone that does that, when you get someone that seems like they constantly go through bad time after bad time after bad time, 99% of the time it's self-perpetuated. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, that's another thing that is, you know, it's a position that I hold that people think is harsh, but if someone's constantly going through shit, they're doing it to themselves most of the time. Mm. It's decisions that they make, their mindset, their mentality, the structure that they have in their life. Even the most seemingly unstructured or unroutined person still has a structure and a routine to their life. It's just that the entire thing is detrimental to them. Yeah. And, you know, that is the, that if you get to a point where it feels like you just get bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship, if you're the only common denominator, it's not the other people. Yeah, there's a pattern. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and that's it. And that, that's something that I, over the years, become obsessed with because the patterns in behaviour tell you everything that you need to know about a person. It's like if, you, if you're getting to know someone, you know, to bring it back to the relationship thing, if you're speaking to someone, what they say to you is who they want you to think they are. Their actions will show you an element of who they are, but their patterns in behavior will tell you everything that you need to know about who they actually are. Yeah. Because it's very, very difficult to hide and manipulate the natural patterns of your, of your personality and, and you know, of your day-to-day behaviors. I think there will be definitely people that, you know, where like bad relationship, bad relationship, bad relationship. And they always think that like, they're not the problem you know, and like of, of that belief, um, you know, for, for whatever reasons that might be. And I suppose it's, I mean, in terms of people, when people need to, because I presume it's important to be self-aware and obviously that's something you can develop. Isn't right. it? Um, and with that comes like self-reflection and, and that area, which is, which is massive. Um, you know, the older I've got, the more important, self-reflection has been for me to realize the impact of my behaviors you know minimally and maximally on other people or on, on my environment um so 
I, I suppose I'm, I'm trying to get onto what do you make of the value in reflection in terms of, you know, I suppose one, maybe increasing resilience, but just improving as a, improving as a person. It, it's invaluable. You know, like it, it like well, Brad, I know, cause he, I know he follows me on Instagram. I talk about responsibility for yourself all the time yeah. because for me, it's, it's immeasurably important. If you've ever been through something in your life, regardless of what the circumstances were, if it's been a relationship ending or anything else like that, I will always try to accept a disproportionate amount of responsibility for whatever's actually happened. And the reason for that is because when you get those people that do go from bad relationship to bad relationship to bad relationship, any of them that you speak to have always got a victim mindset. They live in that victim mentality. Yeah, And you see yourself as a victim, you cannot be resilient, you cannot be strong because a victim always wants to be saved by somebody else, which is why they perpetuate the same cycle. They will go to the first person that, that treats them well, or even if it's just initial politeness, that to them is enough. And some people would argue that it's not their fault that they do that. It's because they've been through things before, but that is where responsibility comes into play. You need to be willing to accept the responsibility that it is the fact that you've not taken the time to heal and you're just trying to find somebody else to save you that is then causing you to experience more pain. Because when someone actually accepts that and goes, yeah, you know, a large part of this is my fault, they'll then break the behavioral patterns and they will make changes that stop them repeating the same patterns. Whereas if they refuse to, they'll just keep going and going and going. Yeah. Because they don't accept that they are at fault either entirely or even a little bit. And I've seen that through years of coaching. And I, I'm, I'm talking about dealing with people that are in the late 30s, in the 40s, people even into the 50s that have always had that mindset that it isn't their fault, whether it's to do with the health, the weight, relationships, the jobs. And it, responsibilities, it's so fundamentally important. So the first, you know, the first building block then is going to be, you know, you're going to have to be emotionally intelligent enough to kind of fucking, you know, just accept the, accept the fact that it's you that needs to change, first of all, um, in anything, you know, like, you know, just self-acceptance, you're going to have to go through. Because everyone, I guess, again, going back to the point that everyone wants to kind of avoid pain, some people just don't want to accept it, you know, that they are the issue. So when it comes to building a resilient mind in whatever in whatever sense it may be, whether it is a relationship, whether it's work, whether it's training, it is the self-acceptance that is the first, you know, hurdle that you have to cross before you can even go anywhere else, really. Is, is that, it's actually technically what you're saying. Yeah, that, that, that's 100% an element of it. Because, you know, to be self-aware is, you know, it's right there, it's baked into the title, it's to be aware of yourself. So, any anything that you've been through there is always a percentage of the responsibility for that eventuality being on you you know i used to be married i'm now divorced and i've accepted all the responsibility that is mine to own for why that marriage broke down yeah subsequent relationships that i've been in even in ones where it hasn't been my fault because they've cheated i will still remove myself from the emotion of the situation to observe it from an outside perspective to be like, right, okay, where, where could I have gone wrong? Like, what, what, what have I done? How did I react to that situation or that situation, that situation? Was there anything that I could have done better 
And even if it wouldn't have changed the end event that broke the relationship, I'm still accepting responsibility for things that could have pushed that person to do what they did. A lot of people would say, yeah, but it's not your fault. I say, that's not the point. No, no. It's not about blame. Because if you've got a blame mentality where you go through something and you immediately go, it's their fault, they're the fucking knobhead, <laughs> it's their fault. Forever. <laughs> you, you, you will live your life as a child forever. Yeah. Because if a child does something wrong, they don't need to accept responsibility because they're a fucking kid. You know, your neocortex doesn't fully develop until you're 25. So until you actually hit the age of 25, you're, the analytical, the logical, rational side of your brain isn't fully formed. And the emotional part of your brain, your amygdala, is still the dominant force. I mean, the amygdala is still dominant even when the neocortex is fully developed, but you've got a lot more <laughs> almost resilience to the impact that the emotional side of your brain wants to have. Children don't have that. And right now we've got a society full of adults that want that leeway, that want to be treated with kid gloves all the time, that don't want to accept responsibility, that constantly want to blame. It's not my fault I'm fat. It's that fast food restaurants are open 24 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> so, so are gyms. Yeah. You know, it's, you don't see anybody walking around going, I don't want to be a fucking bodybuilder. It's because it's fucking pure gyms open 24 hours a day. I can't just get fucking grinding. It's such a, it's such a massive. It's a, I know we spoke before about when you start speaking about things like this, it, it is a can of worms. And when you start talking about emotional intelligence and self awareness and self reflection, and they're obviously all interlinked. Um, I think it's quite interesting to, you know, I'm, I'm quite self aware and evaluate myself, you know, from when I was 20, when I was 25, what's changed now. And, if anything, I'm, I'm a lot more of aware of how do I like naturally react to things and how do I naturally, you know, what things do I naturally do that might be positive or negative? And I'm a lot more aware of them things now. And it is, it's extremely difficult to come away from them behaviors when they are your natural behaviors. And I think it takes, it takes, um, growth in self-awareness, practicing self-awareness and reflection to be able to start making dents into, and obviously I'm focusing on negative behaviors here, but to start making it, you know, it might not be complete improvements, but start making dents into trying to, you know, being aware that behavior is coming on, you know, and feeling it. And I need to, this is where I need to change it. You know, just react a bit differently, do something a bit different. Um, but I think it, it, it takes time and, it, and it's gradual as well, I think, when you're trying to do it. From my experiences. What, what you've just said then is a perfect example of in a moment, the analytical side of your brain, the neocortex, working to overcome the emotional side. Yes. Now, that is where people that are 20 and younger especially struggle because that, that is, you know, it's like having somebody on the door that isn't there it's just emotion yeah emotion, emotion. yeah you know, and as you do get older you get the ability to recognize an emotional reaction to something that doesn't need to occur yeah and then you can take a step back and be like right let's have a look at the situation overall what have they done what have they said what do i want to say right now what's my immediate reaction what's my reactionary impulse as i said like you know you get that where you just want to fucking go straight away 
Yeah. It's like when I was younger, I was I was fucking awful. Like my aggression was it, it was unbelievable. There was no gate on it. You know, if I was out on a night out and somebody said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing, I, that was it. Hands were flying straight away. There was, there was no talking. But that's just because that, that was the way I am. Whereas now, that, that, that depth of aggression is still fully a part of me, but I've got control of it now. Yeah. I don't it's... need... <clears throat> it, it isn't just going to fly out because I, I've got control of it. I'll assess the situation and see what would actually be best. My reactionary impulses are very, very low, which is why when I start a diet, I don't cheat because that, again, is a reactionary impulse. And one thing that a lot of people that aren't self-aware or refuse to accept responsibility for themselves will do is sit with an emotion. They will have an emotion and then react to it as an impulse. And then that becomes their habit. So you'll get some people be sat watching TV and they'll get this little twinge of an emotion of oh I really want some crisps or I'm feeling a bit hungry or what, whatever it is they might have seen something on social media something's been said in the program they're watching it could be a song that's come on in the program that they're watching that triggers a memory from a past experience a partner or whatever they get a little bit of a sad panda about it and then they immediately they're in the fucking cupboard and there's there's no gate on it whereas if when I'm dieting I still get cravings because I'm I'm a human but when I get it, I'll instead of just getting up and going to the cupboard, getting whatever I want and eating it quick before any kind of other thought can come in, I'll sit with it and I'll be like, right, you know, if I still want it in 15 minutes, I can still go and get it. If I still want it in half an hour, I can still go and get it. But why do I want it? Yeah. Why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling right now? How do I want to react to this feeling? What's the impulse that I've got? Right. I want, I, I want, to, I want to go and eat something because it tastes good because I, I can't have it, whatever the situation is. But every time you give in to a reactionary impulse, you become weaker and less resilient. Yeah. Because if you've not even got resilience against your own emotional impulses, how the fuck are you going to be resilient to the other shit that life can throw at you? I had this conversation, it was, it was, it was with my girlfriend actually. But, um, you know, it's, it's like you're saying, Every time that you allow yourself to do something that you know you shouldn't do, you're almost allowing your, you know, you're teaching yourself subconsciously that that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like one step at a time. You have to be like, you know, you have to sit back and think, no, I shouldn't do that. And then eventually, you know, like you say, you pick up the habit of saying no rather than saying yes. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Um, it's like I'll, a habit of feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. That, that's just, yeah. It's just fucking bullshit. That, that I slap that out of my clients as quickly as I fucking can. All that waking up in the morning and staying in bed feeling sorry for yourself, crying into your pillow. It's just like, right, brilliant. If you want to fucking cry, fine. Get up and get dressed first. <laughs> do, do, do something productive first. Yeah. You know, because nothing comes from feeling sorry for yourself. Nothing beneficial. All that does is create an environment, an internal and usually an external environment that perpetuates the, the, the negative emotions that you're feeling. You know, it's like when somebody initially gets the heart broken, you'll get some people that will do that. They just everything just falls to pieces. They stop cleaning the house. The house ends up an absolute shit tip. They stop looking after the self. They're not sharing as much. You know, anything that would be part of their usual routine just completely breaks down. And they feel worse for it. Whereas if you maintain, keep your living environment as clean and as tidy as possible, you know, still, still eat as you should do. Don't starve yourself. 
don't overfeed, still shower, still do your hair, you know, still do your makeup, you know, like for us, still look after your, after your fucking beard and everything else. Because those little steps of self-care, and in those moments, that's what is genuine self-care. That's what's going to help you get beyond it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good if you're, um, if you're trying to, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm trying to link it here. But if you're, well, if you're not taking care of yourself, how can you expect to battle further things, I suppose? Yeah. You, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, was, <laughs> I sent a voice note to um, my friend Scott the other day because we were talking about all sorts of different things. I posted it on my story. I said to him, you'll get people that will constantly put other people first and think that they're doing the best thing for everybody by putting that other person first. Yeah. And you can only, you can only care for and love other people to the capacity that you care for and love yourself. So what is at, your, at the moment your absolute best that you can do for other people might actually only be 10 or 20% of what you could potentially do for other people if you put yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, people will let themselves go mentally, emotionally, physically, and use the fact that they're looking after other people as the justification for doing that. Where the reality is, if they constantly put themselves first and looked after themselves physically from both an aesthetics perspective and from a health and fitness perspective, looked after themselves mentally, looked after themselves emotionally, they would be that much better of a person that they could care for all of those same people and others to a much higher standard. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, 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 it's really interesting that you just said that because I just think if people, it's, it's easy. I mean, I suppose it depends on your character, but it's very easy to make, I suppose it's very easy to make selfish decisions as well. But I suppose it, again, it's dependent on your character, but some people are very much very, unselfish a lot of the time you know some people are very selfish in, in the behaviors a lot of the time but if you are getting someone that doesn't give to the self hardly ever and always is always treating the self as second best then you know how can you ever expect to be happy and in a good place and then generally when you are in that place that's when you are at the capacity to give your best isn't it is it um, so does, does that does that mean that to be resilient, there has to be a certain amount of selfishness. Yeah. Actually, like for me, it's, it's almost like targeted selfishness because yeah. I, I, this, this is something that it absolutely fucking infuriates me. <laughs> like it, it, it makes me bubble just thinking about it. You will get people that act selfless. You know, they, they, will, they will profess that they always put other people first. They do everything for the family do everything for the partner, they do X, Y, and Z, and blah, 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 blah. And that's why I can't do anything for myself. Yeah. That is selfish as fuck. And the reason why I say that is because you're getting people, you get parents that say, I can't look after myself and do the things that are good for me because of my kids. Yeah. I can't do what's best for me because I need to look after my kids, because I need to do that for my mum, because I need to do that for that person. It's just like, that's not selfless. That's as selfish as it comes because you're then burdening those other people with the fact that you don't look after yourself because of them. Yeah. yeah. Which is not people a healthy, say that now, which is not like, a healthy fuck off. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's 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 just bullshit. It's you're justifying not doing the necessary and using other people as the scapegoat for it. And even worse, when people use the kids as a scapegoat, I can't do that because I've got kids. Like, you fucking made them. They didn't ask to be here. You know, they didn't just rock up one day and go, right, we're your responsibility now. You made them, they're your responsibility. And if you want to look after them properly and to the best of your ability, be selfish sometimes. Do what's best for you. Because mm. you've got to remember, this is, this is a really important thing that I go over with pretty much every client that I've got that has kids that have negative habitual patterns. When you've got children, probably about 80% of what they learn from you is observed. It's not what they listen to. It's what they watch you do. So if you constantly put other people first, you, you know, the way that you live your life is for other people to your personal detriment. They're going to learn that that's what love is. Yeah. So you're going to have a daughter that's growing up thinking, right, well, mum's always fucking stressed. She doesn't sleep enough. She just eats whatever food we leave. You know, she's always cleaning. She's always complaining about never getting any help around the house. But then when you offer, she always tells you that you do it wrong. So you're not allowed to help anyway. Yeah. You know, and it's all of these things that are really common. But I'm not going to let my little girl grow up thinking that that is how you show love to someone. No. You know, you don't set yourself on fire to keep somebody warm and be like, look at how much I love you. It leads to a, a quite a detrimental life, doesn't it? You would imagine. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think it's, um, I mean, I suppose, I'm sure, I can't think who I've heard say this, but it would be a great thing if, if everyone allowed themselves the time and if everyone had or learned the capacity just to be more self-aware and like evaluative of what their behaviours and how they live their lives impacted on the people around them and then obviously the people around them because I think the older I've got the more I realize just how minimal or maximal your behaviors can be towards another even if you think it's not affecting them at all um, it can have big consequences on you know a small example if, if I come in from a day's working and you're here and I'm in a bad mood and I I carry on in that bad mood, even if I'm aware of it and, you know, I'm demonstrating, I'm not talkative and I'm a bit, you know, off with you, you know, I can then think that's going to drop his mood. Well, then that affects his relationship with Liv. Will he then be off with Liv and da da da? And, you know, it's like, then, they, then that's, you know, that leads into, leads into more negative behavior. And it's, it's just a very interesting, I wish everyone would take more time to, you know, think more about their actions and the thoughts and the impact that they have. Yeah, because it's like what you were just saying then. That's what a lot of people do. You get so many people that exist in an artificial world in their own mind. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not even it's not even through social media. It's the fact that people spend what what time they do spend in their mind where they're not distracting themselves from their own thoughts and emotions with social media, with Netflix or whatever what time they actually spend in their mind is spent creating scenarios that aren't real. Yes. You know, or there's been an event that's happened in the day and they just go off on some wild tangent in their head 
Or well, if she'd said that, then I could have fuck it. And you're having arguments with people in your head. That hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> and you sat there getting all twisted, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I mean, the way that the way that your mind works, you, we average anywhere between seventy and ninety thousand thoughts in a day. So if you think about it, like the processing speed of the brain is unbelievable, but you know, we, we process between 70 and 90,000 thoughts in a day and there's not even 90,000 seconds in a day and we're not awake for all of those seconds. So that shows you how fast our brain actually works. And about 90% of those tens of thousands of thoughts are the exact same as the day before, the day before that, the day before that. So when you get someone that is perpetually in a particular mood or mindset, it's because they've trained themselves to be in that mindset. And the, the harder you work through self-awareness and responsibility, you know, working on resilience and things like that, you can shift your mindset so that your, those automated thought processes become a lot more positive and a lot more generative of, of positivity, essentially. And um, one of the ways to do it is through self-awareness. If when you're in a mood like that, just be sat there like, what am I being a little bitch about right now? Yeah. Like what, what am I actually in a mood about? Because there's so many times I've done that with myself. I've been in a, been in a shit mood, Like, what am I actually mad about? And if I can't answer it, I come out of it like that. I'm just like, I'm just being ridiculous. Yeah. Cause there's nothing actually wrong at the moment. I'm just being a bitch. And, and the problem is, is that it pours out of you. Like you said, you, you're feeling like that and it affects Brad. That might then affect Liv might affect the content that he puts on social media or yeah. the content that he doesn't put on social media. Same thing for you, yeah. you know, and then anything, any content that Brad puts on because he's in a little bit of a mood because of the, the environment is then going to be absorbed by other people. Impacted, yeah. And at the, at the base of it all is you. And the reason for it is nothing. Yeah. And most of us live inside a mindset where we don't, we only think solely we, we live in our own viewpoint. It's like we we don't realize the the impacts all the way along um, yeah. that change people's days. Um, I found Re it reappraisal is a huge part of resilience. Would you say as well? I, I think in order to be resilient, you have to be. I say you have to be in a good place mentally. Like I think if you are, for example, like you said, if you're not looking after yourself or you are you know, you're under a lot of stress or maybe you've even got like, you know, mental health, you know, problems and stresses that way. Um, and then something that tests your resilience comes along. Um, it's going to be, I would imagine it's going to be a lot harder to then, you know, come out of that, you know, and, and, and try and work through it and stay on like we talked about in the very beginning, stay on the right track. Um, I think if you're in a back, you know, um, it can be it depends on the person because you'll get people that will have a structure to the day well i'll use a diet as an example just because it's a really easy working example but say you've got somebody that is on a diet and something happens in their day maybe they get stuck in traffic so they're out for 90 minutes longer than what they expected to be so they've now missed a meal some people would use that as a justifiable excuse to just go you know what fuck it if I can't stick to all of my routine, I'm not going to stick to any of it at all. Right. And that might then be a four or a five day, just a royal fuck up. 
You know, they don't, they don't get back on track for almost a week because of one thing that's happened yeah. that really isn't that much of an issue. But then you'll get somebody else that will be stuck in traffic for 90 minutes and they will look at that situation and go, shit, I've not been able to get that meal in. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just skip that meal because I'm supposed to be dieting anyway. And that just means that the deficit is that little bit deeper today. I'll stick to the rest of my structure and then just get back to normal tomorrow. Yeah. It just made me think of this as well. It's like when you've people, when they're putting like, say like minor things happen and then how big we make them. Um, so mm-hmm. like, you know, for example, I was coming home last night, accident on the motorway. I was fuming. <laughs> I was in the car. I was like, for fuck's sake. Like, why again? But then, like, just, you know, evaluate. It's like, it's, it, it, it's happened. <laughs> it's an accident. It's the situation. Like, nothing's going to change. It's not going to impact that badly on your night. And it's like, just let go of that initial, you know, I was really frustrated and angry. But then I was just like, but like you said, like, why? It's like, there's, there's, there's nothing I can do about this. You know, it's nothing. It's not self-inflicted. It's just step away from it and calm down and just put radio on. <laughs> That's it though. Like what you just did then in that environment, in that situation, in that environment, what I referred to just a little bit before we said that was reappraisal. Now that's, that's a really, a really key element of resilience. And it like that little stress, you're stuck in traffic. Whenever I get stuck in traffic on the motorway and it's because of an accident, my immediate thought process isn't shit. I'm going to be late or, I wanted to do that or whatever. Even if I'm sat there and I need a piss, I'm not going to be sat there fucking screwing because I'm now I'm now in traffic. My immediate thought is to reframe this seemingly negative situation for me and think, I hope nobody's died. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because me being stuck in traffic and being a little bit late, somebody losing a family member. Yeah. The the boyfriend, the best friend, the son, you know, the dad. That whatever I've got going on is insignificant in, in comparison to, you know, the possibility of that. So I think, I hope nobody's died. I hope everybody that was involved is all right. I'm going to get to where I'm going anyway. Thank God I wasn't an extra 500 meters down the road or mile down the road. And it me that was involved in that crash. I, so I reappraised the whole situation to get the gratitude from it because yeah. somebody might yeah. not be going home to their family tonight. Yeah, somebody's kids are going to be told tonight you're never going to see your dad again, and it's not my kids, and I'm grateful for that. And yeah, I guess the first I've, I think I've heard it somewhere before, but I can't remember where. But it's something it's it's something along the lines of, along the lines of you know when something happens, you've got about five seconds to decide on how you react to that situation. Obviously, if you like you say if you get in that traffic jam because someone's particularly you know because there's been a crash or whatever. The first couple of seconds, you should be instantly sitting back and trying to reflect on, you know, on both sides of the coin. Do you know what I mean? Before yeah. that, and and, and that, them five seconds are the important, is are the important part, depending on you know how how your day can go. You know, you can go on pissed off, or you can go on with gratitude and think, you know, thank God it wasn't me that was in the crash. I hope that person's okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah, and that, that's it, and it completely changes everything. Yeah. I think, you know, going forward, we're going forward for the rest of this podcast now, when it comes to, you know, wrapping it up for people and, you know, giving the people the value that obviously that they need, people wanting to be more resilient, people wanting to have, you know, lead a better life, a whole life, whether it be training, work, relationships or whatever. Um, 
let's try and summarize it somehow. You know, what are the main, what are the most important things on, you know, how people can, you know, start working towards being a resilient person and, you know, trying just, just generally trying to aim to improve their life going forward. What would you say is the, what would you say is the, the, the first initial thing that they need to start considering? Gratitude. Gratitude. hundred percent. Gratitude, self-awareness, responsibility for yourself. Just accept as much responsibility for fucking everything that you possibly can. Yeah. Um, and I would say just trying to, like I, what I said earlier about the lens that you view life through, and stop being so into yourself. Yeah. You know, like stop being into yourself in the perspective of <clears throat> one problem that I see with a lot of people is somebody else will do something or something will happen to somebody else and they will immediately think, how does that affect me? How does that make me feel? You know, it's got nothing to do with them at all, but they're making it about themselves. That's something that people desperately need to stop because that's, that's an element of narcissism there's a difference between focusing on yourself in regards to not involving yourself with other people's business. That's got nothing to do with you and just focusing on your own shit and focusing on yourself about everything that's going on around you. All oh, that person's in a mood. That's probably because of me. They don't like me. Like that's called interpretation bias where yeah. you will have a naturally negative assumption or interpretation of any kind of, ambiguous situation so somebody's in a little bit of a mood around me there's no reason for me to think that that's because of me but the person with interpretation bias will go that's because of me and yeah. then the mood will that's yeah. so you're constantly perpetuating this this negative self-image but it's because you're too focused on what everybody else thinks of you um i think i, I think i think the self-awareness um reflection element that we touched on is massive i'd always encourage people to you know you know just actively do that even you know even if a situation occurs where you may be not happy with your behavior or happy with how something's panned out you know still reflect on it afterwards and try and understand why you know try and understand the emotions you were feeling at the time try and uh you know, reflect on maybe what you would try and change about your behaviours and how how that would have a better outcome. But I think just just practicing self awareness can be can be a great thing for improving you as a person, helping you know improving your environment and the people you're around, um, understanding yourself more, which is obviously is obviously crucial. But then linking it again to resilience, you know, I, su I suppose resilience is. No, we described it as, you know, trying to keep yourself on track through through the shit that can come at you. You know, I suppose it's like trying to, trying to uh, if you're on a path towards Earth and you're like an asteroid and you're trying to pelt off all these things that are trying to come at you and trying to maybe block your path towards getting to Earth in a very depressing <laughs> way of looking at it. <laughs> Ending of the world. But um, if you are more self-aware, you, you know, you might be understanding yourself better. And how can how, how can you better deal with the situation you're in? And um... yeah, a key element of that <clears throat> self awareness. One thing that I'm I'm very aware of is all of the negative character traits that I've got, as well as all the positives. 
And one of the advantages that comes from being completely aware and accepting of the fact that you do have negative character traits is that if somebody tries to use that against you, if you've not accepted it and you try to reject it, that, will, that stimulus will be perceived by you as a stress. You'll worry about it, you'll overthink, you'll try to defend yourself, you get all het up and it, you know, and it causes stress. So one of the key elements of resilience is working out different ways to reduce the stress that you experience anyway. Yeah. There's two sides of it. One is reducing stress that you don't need to experience. And the other side of increasing resilience is selectively choosing to experience stress that you don't need to. So like cold water training, yeah. things like that. You don't need to get up in the morning and put the shower on cold. You know, but if you choose to do that, you're going to increase your resilience because it's selective. Whereas if somebody says something that isn't very nice about you, you are still in control of how you react to that. But it's, you know, it's more of a negative thing that you don't need to. Because I know for a fact, I can be arrogant. I can be arrogant. I can be rude. I, I've been cruel before in the past. And I can, I'll no doubt be cruel at other points in the future. <laughs> I can be, I, as I said earlier, I can be really, really aggressive. But I know all of those things. I know those are key elements of my character. And I'm, I'm all right with it. Like I still have control over those things because I accept that they are part of me. I'm also very kind. I'm compassionate. I'm empathetic. You know, and I accept all the good and all the bad. And that is a, that is a very, very strong point, a pillar of, of self-awareness. So if there is something that is within you that you deem to be negative or other people would deem to be negative, it doesn't mean that you need to get rid of it. It probably just means that you need to accept it because you can only control and change that which you've accepted as being real. Yeah. Whether it's something in the external world or something in the internal world. Those as well, uh, you made me think as well there when you were saying, you know, when you, you mentioned before about um, allowing yourself to like, experience, um, see the good side of, the, of a bad situation. You know, you know, like the gratitude and like the example of the traffic with the, you know, well, I hope no one's hurt and thank God that's not me and thank God that's, you know, not my family. Um, I suppose like in terms of resilience, being, being able to, um, in them moments, in them bad times, be, uh, what's the word, like comparing of worse experiences, you know, that could possibly occur. Um, and also being aware that, you know, you're not on your own, you know, you're not always on your own when something bad generally happens to you. Sometimes we, I think like, I, you know, I can, I can say this on here, but when I was younger, I had, you know, I had bad experiences with mental health and my first thoughts were, why me? Why fucking me? Like, what do what have I done to deserve this? Da, 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 da. And now I'm older. It's like, it wasn't just me. You know, so many people will be going through this. And I think I got a bit of a shared relief in, you know, I'm not on my own with this. And it's not a fact of the world has singled me out for, for you to go through, that you are going to go through this shit and this is your, this is your path now. Yeah. Right? That, that, that bit of mindset, like I mentioned before. And yeah. it, it, serves, it serves nobody. You know, instead of saying, why me? Any situation or event that you're going through or you've been through, 
even if it's something that you went through years and years and years ago, but still upsets you and still bothers you, you've not, you've not stared at it for long enough to take the lessons from it. So instead of saying, why me? Just be like, what can I learn from this? Yeah. yeah. Because as soon as, you, as soon as you learn the lesson from whatever it is that you've been through, whether it was your fault or somebody else's, like say if you've done something and you've made a mistake, you know, I always say that a mistake stops being a mistake and becomes a lesson once you learn from it. And if you stop seeing that event as a mistake that you've made, all the guilt, all the shame, you know, the self-deprecation that you hold on to because of that mistake that you've made, once you've learned from it and you feel that you've become a better person because of that experience, all that guilt and shame goes away. Yes. There's a, there's so a... the negatives that come from that experience stops impacting you, whether it's a, a relationship or anything. But one thing that I always try to get clients to do is to stop being shit about their exes, regardless of what that person has done to them. Yes. You know, it's like someone, someone that I was with recently, it was, it was very short and intense. It was fucking amazing, but it was short and intense. And then the aftermath of that emotionally was, was awful. But if she comes up in conversation now, there's no, she's a fucking dickhead. She's this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. I I'll speak fondly and favorably of her mm. and it, like if i think back to that time and you know the, the things that we did and the experiences and stuff like that it's you know it's still a source of happiness there's no anger there's no hate i'm not mad you know there's no bitterness so that person now has absolutely no impact on my life at all other than the positives that i take from it there's a nice there's a quote that links nicely into this and it's you know basically that the world or the universe isn't out to spite you, but it isn't out to join up the dots either. Um, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. you know, it's, you know, you've got to take the ownership. You've got to, you know, nothing that happens to you isn't your fault, but you know, at the same time, you've got to actively put yourself in situations where, you know, you can, you can, yeah, go and then think, whatever. Yeah. That, that's that I say that so frequently the situation that you're in right now. So for anybody listening, there might be a situation that you're in right now that isn't your fault. You know, somebody else has put you in the situation that you're in. It's not your fault, but it's still your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's your life. You know, I, I, I actually I referenced this in a previous podcast that I recorded with somebody else, but it's just relevant. This particular client divorced the whole nine yards, but it was like eight years after the fact, and she was still holding this torch of anger and resentment for her ex-husband for the situation that she was in in life now. And I was the first person that just actually took the time to say to her, the situation that you're in right now is because of you, not him. Yeah. Because when it initially happened and they broke up and the reason why they did exit, it was his fault. But it stopped being that other person's fault after a relatively short period of time because you've just got to get your shit together. Yeah. The person that is at fault isn't going to come back into your life to fix it. You've got to fix it yourself. And when you do, you become more resilient. I guess that your life after that point is a snowball and it's up to you whether you decide whether it's a snowball of shit or a snowball of fucking positivity, I guess, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You can go one way or the other. Like, yeah. you've, you've got to control the situation after that at that point because, you know, they've gone at, they've gone at that point, haven't they? So it's, you know, it's, it's only left to you to deal with it. Yeah, it's not our, it's not our resilience is just going to come along and sit itself in your lap, is it? Yeah, exactly. so you, you've got to pick exactly. up and think, like, what's the, you know, what's my actions now to to going forward that's going to that's going to get me through this and it's going to lead to the, the you know coming out of the right end of it 
So obviously, self, we said self acceptance is obviously clearly a massive thing because we've been talking to her about it for about twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, um, you know, I guess the next, I guess the next important thing is you know putting yourself in a position where you will experience hardship, whether that is on a small scale or a, or a large scale. Um, like for example, I. I I contribute a lot of my mindset to when I was back in my rugby days. And, um, you know, we did plenty of like military, military boot camps where they put us in with fucking the, the, um, the Marines and shit. And, you know, they made us break ice on a, on a fucking lake and fucking swim in it and, you know, submerge ourselves and <laughs> put boxing gloves on and fight each other when we didn't want to and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Like that is to some degree, obviously I was put in that situation, so it wasn't a choice, but you know, I, again, I could have walked away if I really wanted to. Um, but I guess that's one of the small, that's like a small example of putting yourself in a situation where you're experiencing pain, something that you don't necessarily want to go through. Like you say, you know, cold water training, getting a cold shower, you know, sea dips or whatever. Yeah. You know, they obviously have a big part to play, but then at the, at the same time on a larger scale, you know, for example, if a death occurred in your family or something like that, you know, you have to learn to experience that through choice and, and, and accept the pain and understand it and then go back to the self-reflection and then, and then build from there, I guess. So, you know, putting yourself in a position of pain and, ex and experiencing it purposefully is definitely going to be one way to help build your resilience. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Cause it, I, I'd say a really easy way to, to give examples of both sides, a selected, um, a, you know, a selected pain or discomfort, a stress to increase resilience and you know one that isn't chosen I, I actually I think I posted this on my story not too long ago I had a client set 10,000 steps which to her at the time was just like that's fucking that's too many I'm not going to be able to do that so I was just like right okay if you don't think you're going to be able to do 10,000 then I want you to do 30,000 yeah, yeah. It's like, well, that, that number's just gone in completely the wrong fucking direction. It's just like, no, I want you to get as close to 30,000 as you can possibly can. Yeah. And she ended up doing 24,000 ditch. So the initial 10,000 was like impossible. And then all of a sudden, as soon as the bar had been set so much higher, she smashed 10,000 like it was absolutely nothing. And yeah. all that did was the, within the first week, prove to her that what she thought was possible what she thought was impossible was entirely possible times almost two and a half. Yeah. So her mindset towards what she can actually endure and survive went through the roof straight away. I think that's a valuable lesson to take as well. Like I think you, you know, we need to understand more of just our, our capabilities, you know, as people, as human beings, you know, we are, we are capable of one achieving great things, but we are also capable of, you know, becoming, um, becoming characters and individuals that are strong and can deal with things and can get shit done and can move through life, um, you know, positive action, positive action and, and bring, bring about success, you know, with, yeah. with, um, with, with every, every area of our life. And I know we talked about, you know, how is, how is that resilience linked to relationships and work and training? Um, and, you know, within, within all them areas, there might be times where it's not going as good or you are having to, you are having to map out um, a direction for yourself 
that's going to lead to actions for that success, whether it is in your, in your training, your relationships, or, or you, you know, you're chasing that promotion at work. Um, you know, how do you, how do you move from A to B and do you show resilience in doing that? Then, you know, you probably do, you show aspects of it anyway, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's it. Anytime you're working towards something, every day that you stay on, on track, you, you're, you're adding to your resilience to, do what you know that you need to do instead of just doing what you want to do. You know, like say if you need to do 15,000 steps in a day, it comes to the evening, it's 8 PM, you've only done 10,000 and you need to get those extra five. You might want to stay sat on the couch and carry on watching TV with the missus. Or you can make the decision to get your shoes on, get your hoodie on and then go and get those 5,000 steps in. You'll get back and you will feel better for having done that than if you hadn't. You'll be a little bit more resilient than you were. It's one of them things as well. The more you do that, the easier that's going to become as well, isn't it? So as you're increasing your resilience, these tasks that once felt so hard will just feel like a piece of piss in the future. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And that, the reason why it becomes an easier and easier and easier task is because your resilience has gone up. So what was once almost impossible is now an absolute walk in the park. Yeah. It's like what another thing that I do to help people reduce stress is I, I will do like a bit of an audit on the life as far as goals and the way that they live their life and things like that. And I look for cognitive dissonance in every different area of the life, the relationships, the emotional well-being, the, you know, the goals that they've got for the physique and everything else. So if you've got somebody that's in a position of cognitive dissonance, it's because there's a conflict between their current lifestyle or belief and information that they're being given that shows contrary to what they think. Mm. So to make this relevant to like a fitness goal, again, just because it's easy, Say you've got someone that wants to be very lean. I want a six pack, but I want to be like, I want to look fucking good. And at the same time, they want to live a relatively normal lifestyle with regards to food and they don't want to be restricted and they want to be able to go and, you know, go to Costa and get a cinnamon swirl and a fucking mocha. Yeah. That, there's a cognitive dissonance there. Because they know that in order to achieve this goal of being very lean, you need to live a restricted lifestyle. It's just a fact. You know, all these people that are just going, oh, you've got to make the diet as sustainable as possible. No, you fucking don't because diets aren't meant to be sustained for extended periods of time. They serve a purpose. What you're supposed to do is make the, maintain the goal maintainable or somewhere along the line. Yeah. But the diet itself serves a purpose. It doesn't need to be sustainable for the rest of your life because you're not going to diet for the rest of your life. Yeah. But if you, want to get, if you want to get lean, you need to live restricted. So you can't have a restriction-based goal at the same time as having an unrestricted lifestyle goal because they're the opposite ends of the spectrum you know they're not running parallel at all are they? and that is one of the leading causes for goal paralysis you will get somebody that does fuck all and it's because they want to achieve this goal in a completely unrealistic unlogical manner yeah. illogical sorry so it, you know it's like if you get a starving donkey and stand it in between two equal sized portions of hair that are exactly the same distance from it, it will struggle to decide which one to go and eat to such an extent that it will starve to death. <laughs> and you get people that do that because they've got a goal that needs restriction, but they want a lifestyle that's completely unrestricted. You've got people that want to be a fucking millionaire, but they don't want to go to work. They won't even do an hour's overtime. Never mind, do all of the extra necessaries to you know create an empire that actually gives you millions. Mm-hmm. And it, that it's goal paralysis through cognitive dissonance. And if you get rid of that, your stress levels go. 
And sometimes as well as like, you know, there's individuals out there and there might be coaches out there. And sometimes with how, you know, it, it's no good if people try and promote that, you know, the easier option. We can, we can try and do it this way. It's like sometimes it is, no, if you want to build a million pound company, you have to put the fucking work in. If you want to gain this physique, you have to eat like this consistently. You know, it's not, there's no point trying to play around in this little middle area, this little gray area of, you know, let's try and, well, if we do this, this might make it a bit easier because, again, linking it to resilience, we are decreasing theirs by saying, if you want to get from A to B, you have to do this. And if you do it this way, you are going to learn qualities and go through experiences that make you more resilient because it's just fucking tough and it's hard, but there's nothing wrong with that. And experiences like that, ultimately, are going to prepare you better for life. Um, you know. You know. Yeah, that's it. You know, a lot of people that, that do have that very softly, softly approach. Everything's about making it as easy as possible to get the ultimate goal that that person's got. You know, like you were saying then, it, it, you know what it's like? It's like your goal being on the other side of the door. And those people are saying, go up and just politely knock on the door a couple of times and just wait for it to fucking open. Or hope that if you politely knock for long enough, the lock will work itself loose and then it will eventually open. Or you can go up and you can kick the fucking door off its hinge, <laughs> get your goal, and then live life once you've got the goal. Yeah, you know, like you look at anybody that is is very successful in anything that they do, whether it's sports, athletics, business, whatever. Not one of them, not one of them, no Olympic athlete, no, no, you know, Elon Musk, anybody that's an entrepreneur that's built a business and an empire, not one of them will go. Oh, how did I do it? Oh, well, I made sure I got eight to ten hours sleep every night. Um, and I made sure that I did as little as possible to get maximum reward. They all go, I worked my fucking face off every day until I achieved the goal. And, you know, the shit thing is, that's just the way it works. And, and you know, that's just the way it works. My, my dad was an electrical engineer, right? And he wasn't, he wasn't around all the time because he was working so much. Like he worked for the same place for 40 years, right? And when he finished, they did like a print off of, you know, how many years he'd done, so how, many, how, how long that equated to in, in, you know, like months, weeks, blah, blah, blah. And it was a breakdown of how many hours a week he averaged. Over 40 years, it was 73 hours a week. Jesus. It's fucking mind-blowing. And then people say to me, it's got, oh, you work so much, you've got to make yourself ill. And I immediately just go, my average is nowhere near what my dad was, and my job isn't as hard. Yeah. You know, and it's just the lifestyle that he provided for me and my brother, the lifestyle that he still provides for him and my mum, you know, the house they've got, the cars they drive, etc. the holidays that they used to go on before going on holiday was illegal. <laughs> it's, it's up here, and it's the lifestyle that you can only provide by having that work ethic that completely goes against everything that people are saying at the moment. This promotion of being fucking soft, essentially. Yeah, I guess the resilience is, you know, it will be displayed in the people that, you know, are comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, you know, like you say, the people who succeed in prep are the ones that embrace the fucking difficulty. The ones that like how hard it is, that are okay with how hard it is. And, you know, the fact that they're starving, they're like, yeah, I'm all right with it because I know that it's going to serve, you know, me well in the long run. Yeah. You know, that's that's where the resilience lies. As well, like 
it's I think if we if we incorporate things into our life that are challenging or for example when you give the example of the lady with the steps and you know, I'm not going to do 10 right? do 30 then and she ended up doing 24,000 it's like if we incorporated more things in our life like this and we did them and we did them regular then it becomes all of a sudden it becomes the norm it becomes like what you naturally do it doesn't become something challenging anymore so it's just this is how i live and this is the person i've you know developed into and this is what i do um and i think if you if you find yourself doing things on a daily basis yearly basis that becomes the norm for you and and they are high standard things so it's you know it might be doing more than ten thousand steps it might be you know all these productive things that you could do in a day but that becomes the norm the reality of life in terms of where to be successful in life or to be all right in life might actually end up being lower than that. The line is lower. So then actually just getting through life and doing well, and it, it, it's probably going to be easier, a lot easier because you've set the bar. Yeah. You know, I've, I've made myself become a fucking really good human. <laughs> so now life is a lot fucking simpler because I've developed myself this way and I'm more resilient yeah. and I'm more, it's like most people suffer in life, not because, like, this is a quote from one of my favorite motivational speakers, Les Brown. Like, he's just a fucking mint guy to listen to. I absolutely love him. But he said this years and years and years ago when he was on stage, and he, he said, people suffer in life. It's not because they set the bar low, because they set the bar too high and they miss. It's because they set the bar too low and they hit every single time. Yes. If you set standards that are here in any area of your life, you'll hit that standard all the time. But it doesn't mean that life's going to be good. It's like relationships. If a girl sets a standard that a guy's going to be good enough to be in a relationship with, if he speaks to me, <laughs> then every guy that wants to take your fucking knickers off is going to speak to you at some point. So that means that every guy, is they make the cut. Yeah. Whereas if, if a woman sets a standard up here, the, the, the pool that you fish from gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and there's less and less and less fish. He speaks to me twice a day. <laughs> so I'm going there. We said, it, we said it in our last podcast, though, didn't we, about always, like, whatever, whatever goal it might be, you always want to be just out of reach, don't you? We said it in that last yeah. podcast, didn't we? Yeah. You know, like you yeah. said, setting that bar too low and just always being average and, you know, whatever. I guess it's it's one of them things of that quote I hear all the time. It's, you know, do do hard things for an easy life or do easy things for a hard life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, to bring self-awareness into this, what this, this is something that I've always done and I've just kind of like given it a name now. <laughs> and I, I'll view myself from a third-person perspective. So you've got your goal. You want to, you know, you want to build your businesses. You want to end up earning whatever it is that you want to earn. You want to build an empire. You want to end up with employees, whatever your situation is, whatever your goal is. And then at any given moment in the day, view yourself from a third-person perspective. Are you doing what you're doing right now? Is that moving you towards your goal? Yes or no? Because it's going to be a yes or a no. Yeah, yeah. It's not. And if the answer is no, then you're creating stress for yourself because you're not doing the shit that's necessary to achieve the goal that you want. Yeah. You know, you get somebody that wants to lose weight. Right, you've just gone and got another cake from the fucking cupboard. 
what you're doing right now is third person perspective. What you're doing right now is it moving you towards your goal or further away, further away, right? Is that going to make you feel good or not? No. Is that going to increase your levels of stress? Yes. Right. Don't fucking do it. Put sometimes, the back. Sometimes, back ask, seven steps. sometimes ask the person that's not in the room that will give the most fucking honest answer, which is a third person say yes or no. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. And we can do that to ourselves. If you stop being if you stop being weak and stop fucking cuddling yourself all the time. Honesty is a big thing with that thing. Just, I think if you are honest with yourself and don't try and kid yourself, you know, you know, whatever is going on, you know, what am I doing in this moment? Being honest with the effects of that straight away is, is probably the, re- the fucking right answer. You know, don't try and, if you know, if you know it's a no, then don't try and, well, yeah, is it a no? <laughs> you know, it's... Well, it's like I, I say to a lot of clients, if you find yourself looking for an excuse for why you can do it, if you find yourself trying to justify an action before you do it, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. Because if you're like, oh, I really want that food, I really want that cake or that drink or whatever it is, I really want to just order a Domino's. And then you immediately go into, well, I've had a really stressful day and I, you know, I missed that meal and, and the kids have stressed me out and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I deserve a pizza. <laughs> yeah. It's, just, it's just a layered bullshit on top of the, no, don't have it. It's going to fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And this, this, this weak mentality to achieving goals, it, it's just, it's born from entitlement because like now more than ever, people just, they're so fucking entitled. Like they deserve the earth for nothing. Yeah. I deserve the lifestyle that I want without doing any of the work or suffering any of the hardship that's needed to get to it. Too soft. Yeah. Creating a society that's too soft. Last thing I would say that we need to probably cover before we wrap it up, the importance of your environment. Um, Either or one one of the two ways, I guess. Um, I don't know, I've, I've said it a couple of times on the other podcast, but you can either put yourself in a positive environment or remove yourself from a negative environment but either way you know cleaning up your environment and you know being being selfish with what's in your circle or what's in your bubble will obviously you know positively benefit you know your 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 um what's the word your the outcome of your life yeah, yeah. Trajectory yeah, of your life, yeah. the whole thing, you know, it yeah. controls everything, doesn't it? And the people yeah. around you are massively impactful on yeah. you, aren't they? I think that's, I, I, when it comes to, again, when, I have, when I speak to people about motivation and stuff like that, they always seem to, like, kind of be grabbing and grasping for, like, you know, like external things, rather than focusing on, like, the internal things first. You know, like, like yeah, your the opportunity for you to be involved in a, in a, an external positive environment, you know, you'd be better off removing the negative shit first before ever really, ex- uh, you know, looking for the external things as well. And I guess that's the same with the, with the resilience. So, you know, look for the things that could potentially be holding you back first. What that, that what you've just said, Brad, is absolutely fucking on point. Like completely, because it's like the perpetual positivity is every bit as toxic to someone as, as being negative all the time yeah. because you get someone that right now is in a very negative lifestyle, a very negative automated mindset where they will look for the negative in anything. 
and you get someone that's like, oh, you need to be positive, you need to think about this, you need to think about this, and they're trying to force this automatic negative mindset to go positive straight away. Yeah. Like, imagine what would happen if your car was going in reverse and you were doing 30 miles an hour in reverse and you just suddenly just went, fuck off, drive, yeah. to go forward. Yeah. You'd leave, you'd, your gearbox would be all over the fucking road, wouldn't it? Because you need to stop the car before you can start going forwards. So yeah. like you said, removing the negativity should be the first priority before you start to push for positivity. Suppose, yeah. as well, go on, sorry, Andy. Carry on. No, 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 go on. If you take an individual... Um, so say like say we relate this to training, um, or say say you take someone with a, a negative mindset and negative thought process that's that's quite what's well, constant. Um, for that person to start switching it again, is it something they have to? And I suppose this is a bit of a question to you. This is it something where they have to almost like sort the self out and start to develop themselves to be more positive before possibly putting themselves in a positive environment with other people that are positive and are doing positive actions because throwing a negative individual into a bunch of positive individuals could start pulling the positive individuals. <laughs> I, I would imagine. That, that, that kind of comes back to what I was saying before when we were talking about the genetics of a situation right. we'll get one person that could be put in that environment being surrounded by positive hard-working successful people and thrive within weeks yeah and you'll get somebody else and they would remain negative for an extended period of time eventually they would still start to, to come around because, because of such social creatures you can't spend a lot of time with the same group of people without adopting character traits from them yeah, it just can't be done. That's why a lot of people that are in relationships with a narcissist, after they come out of the relationship, they worry that they are a narcissist, because some of the toxic traits from that person you still absorb them. Yeah. So you get someone that is very negative and surround them with positive people. Initially, again, due to cognitive dissonance, that's going to create a massive amount of stress for them, because the belief systems and the value systems of everybody that they're now surrounded with are in direct conflict with their own. You get someone that's victim mindset, blames everybody else, very low responsibility and self-awareness, and surround them with people that are the exact opposite, very independent, very responsible for everything that they do. It's going to be uncomfortable. And over time, they will adapt. Yeah. But as you said, would it be better for somebody to work on themselves before they start integrating into that kind of environment? For some, it would be. But That's, for, for some, some people, people that I've worked with, it, it, it's exactly. literally as simple as, like, you get somebody that's depressed. And, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for people that, that feel that way or someone that's suffering a, a, a sadness. You know, sadness and depression are two things that people speak of as if they're synonyms and they're not. They're not the same thing at all. So if you, let's say if you are very sad, say you've broken up with someone, you're heartbroken and you're really sad or you've lost somebody from your life. You keep, like I said before, keep up with everything. Keep your house clean. You're going to be sad anyway, so at least be sad in a nice environment. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, you're going to feel better because it, you you react. We are reactionary creatures in a, in a you know a, a large proportion of our lives. So if your environment shit, your kitchen's a shit tip. You know, you get to the point where if you want to eat something, you need to wash the plate in the sink before you can use it because. All of, you, all of your pots and plates and cutlery and everything's all dirty all the time because you're not looking after yourself. You're not cleaning. Yeah. 
you know, every if you if you do decide to go for a shower, you're now using a wet towel because you've not even taken the time to put it back in the air and cover it or dry it over the radiator. Every time you go to get in bed, it's a mess. You know, the same sheets have been on for weeks and weeks on end. So your bed isn't even clean anymore. You know, you, you're stepping over shit all the time because there's clothes here and there, there's a towel, your shoes are... That's a shit environment to be in. And you gain a very small element of success simply by cleaning it. It feels good. It's an accomplishment. It did look like a shit tip and it now doesn't. You know, you get a sense of pride from that. So, it, you know, even regardless of how low you feel, keep on top of the things that are most directly impacted for you. Yeah, and how you feel in that moment. When I'm listening to you, I just, I just keep pitching it in my head. It's just, if, you know, if you're in a bit of a shit environment, when I'm, when I'm picturing it, all I can see is and it's just imagining trying to run in cement. You know, like trying to get somewhere, yeah. fucking shit grabbing at your feet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's what I'm picturing in my head. Uh, well, so I, that, That's a really good analogy for it. And it... What I mentioned before about emotional anchors. Yeah. Somebody that's trying to get ahead in life, trying to live a happier life, find real love and stuff like that, trying to do that with all of your emotional anchors from the past still attached to you, it's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. You know, the whole point of an anchor is to stop the shit. Yeah. yeah. And if, you've, if you're anchored 10 years in the past, 15 years in the past, shit that happened in your childhood, you're only going to be able to go so far because every emotional anchor holds that bit of your personality, your character, there. Yeah. So it won't change. So if you've suffered a deep trauma in a relationship and you've never dealt with it, that is your mindset, your, your mentality with regards to relationships, with how love is supposed to be perceived. It's like you, to bring it back to the narcissist situation, they use trauma bonding to keep their victim hooked. So there will be very nice for a brief period and then they'll be fucking awful. And the, the, the victim, the person that's with the narcissist, experiences pain for an extended period of time. But then when the narcissist is nice to them again and is loving towards them, it's like, you know, it's like having an orgasm after fucking 12 months. Yeah. You know, it, it'd feel like, the, it'd just feel like the best one in the world, wouldn't it? Isn't and it you get that all the time. The normal so, is perceived as far better, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not only that. The pain that you experience waiting to feel that affection becomes love. Right. So you then take that person that's been with a narcissist who hasn't dealt with the, the pain from it and put them in someone with a nice guy who actually shows love and affection as it should be shown. And the person that was the victim of the narcissist won't perceive how they act as love. That isn't what love is in their mind. That's why you get it at the breakup. Yeah. You're too nice. You know, and they, they can't articulate why they don't, they don't vibe, but that's the reason for it. Mad. It's mad. It is mad. mad. <laughs> it's mad. That, this is why I'm so obsessed with psychology. Oh, Absolutely obsessed. I do love it. You come to uni with me if you want. <laughs> it's great. It's great, man. I've got, I've, got spaces, I've got spaces for clients if you want me to fix you. <laughs> <laughs> right. So wrap this up. So we've got, obviously, resilience. First things first, you've got to consider self-reflection, self-evaluation, self-acceptance. Yeah. Um, you know, accepting who, you know, accepting you, accepting responsibility for everything that, that happens, whether it's your fault or not. Um, yeah. And then, you know, actively seeking you know to improve whatever situation you might be in 
Yeah. Re remove unnecessary stress and implement selected stress. Yeah. Second one would be, what was the second one we covered? Remind me. We covered a lot of things. We Yeah, putting yourself either purposefully in a situation where you could experience pain in order to make it more normal um, or, you know, actively accepting the, the larger scale pain, like, you know, life experiences like death or whatever in your life and going back to the self-reflection and allowing it to happen and aiming to control it and, and you know, steer it in a positive direction as well. Um, and then, you know, obviously all the environmental factors. Yeah. Involved. And that, um, that is like a third summarizing point when, when you were talking about, you know, the bar in life, you know, where you're setting it, where are you setting it within every area of your life, relationships, work, um, you know, physical training, whatever it is, where, where are you setting that bar? And is it, is it con consistently set at a, well, quite a low standard where you're always expecting to achieve more, but then your bar is never, it's not there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So can you put that bar even higher than, than what you want to achieve? And then you're more likely to, to get it and grasp it. For, for a lot of people that fixes 90% of the problems that they've got in life, raise your standards. Raise your standards. Yeah. Everything. Raise, raise your standards for your relationship. Raise your standards for your own physical fitness. Raise your standards for how you're going to keep your house. Raise your standards for how hard you're going to work at work. You know, because there's lots of people that want more from life. They'll drive to and from work and they'll see a nice car and go, oh, fuck, I'd love that. And then they'll get to work and they'll do just enough to make sure they don't get fired. It's very, it's very rare we do, we do behaviours that are of a high standard and then we don't end up in a, in a conclusion that is of a, of a good standard, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it will, if you, if you set that standard high and then force yourself to live up to it, eventually, like we said before, it becomes the habit. It becomes the normal and it becomes easier over time. But the problem is, is that for most people that have that mindset, again, that have a little bit more of a, a, a natural or a genetic, you know, predisposition to it, they never allow it to become normal because they'll set the bar here. And then when you reach it, you push the bar higher again, and then you're working to reach. And then as you start to get close, you push it higher again and again and again and again. So the most successful people more often than not are the ones that live with the most discomfort, but it's all selected. It's all chosen discomfort. Yeah. Whereas when you've got someone that's got a very, like even a very below average lifestyle. They've not got enough money. They don't live in the house that they want. The house that they don't want to live in hasn't got furniture in it that they do want because they can't afford what they want. They don't drive a car they want. They don't look the way that they want to. They don't live the way that they want to. You know, the bank balance doesn't look the fucking way they want to. But then they just continue to live in that discomfort because yeah. they will have already set in higher standards. And, you know, that that's the difference. The discomfort that you feel through just living the life that you feel that you've been dealt is far more uncomfortable than living this lifestyle of stress where you're constantly pushing to progress. And that's going to be the opposite scale of resilience, isn't it? You know, the people that feel that discomfort through the bar being higher is going to develop their resilience where people that feel this discomfort through the bar being low and, and you know, always, you know, carrying out consistent behaviors that are below or around that bar, it's not going to develop their resilience because 
they are not putting anything on themselves to build it. <laughs> yeah. Because you know? it, it's like the rule of 1%. You know, if your rule of 1% is to improve by 1% each time, over a period of time, it got, your graph goes like that. It'll curve and then it peaks and it fucking skyrockets. Whereas if you're on that bottom rung, if you've got that very low level and you constantly decrease by 1%, it's like that. So it, the deviation is so, so little when you're in a negative, but when you're in a positive, it just, it peaks and it goes through the roof. Right. You know, and like a perfect example, look at the way that the rich accrue wealth. Look at the, look at the graph. It never, it never goes like that. It's never linear. It's always like this. It'll be slow, 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 and then it'll start to go up and then they'll hit the point and it just starts to compound and they just go, boink. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're fucking billionaires. Yeah, you know, but that's the thing, and then you'll get people that will live a mediocre life for their entire life, and they, 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 you know, they deviate from the line by that much. Yeah, they're miserable their entire life because people love to go. Oh, money doesn't make you happy. Society neither is being fucking poor. What's your point? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not being funny. When I was a financial advisor, I used to specialize in debt. I've been in people's houses that don't have any fucking money. They were not happy. <laughs> it's like Wolf of Wall Street one of my favourite lines because it is so so true there is no nobility in poverty there's nothing noble about it no. you know you'll see these these memes that pop up on Instagram and it's just the fucking dumbest thing in the world you'll see someone that's got this beautiful mansion it'll be like a 10 bedroom mansion with a fucking 5 car garage a swimming pool and then next to it is a little mud hut and then below both of them is the same grave and they say, you know, it's, you, you end up in the same place. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's your point? Yeah, the yeah. person that lives in a mud up has done nothing with their entire life. The person that's got that mansion probably owns a business that provides for maybe 100 fucking families or more. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> life, life isn't about <laughs> the hole that you end up in. It's about <laughs> what you do whilst you're <laughs> They skipped out the entire bit of they had no heating, slept on the floor their entire life and lived off whatever they could fucking salvage in terms yeah. of food. <laughs> people are like, oh, you might have a nice car, but it doesn't mean you're a nice person. Yeah, but they're also not breaking into people's houses to steal the fucking TV to pay for shit either. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, God, get that off. Oh, that was interesting. Uh, right. We'll wrap it up, I think. Are we done? How long have we been on? How long have we been on? A long time. Wild, if, so, if someone's got a two-hour work journey, then uh, they, are, <laughs> they are covered right now. <laughs> Brad, I told you it won't be an hour. Spread <laughs> it over a couple of days, aren't they? <laughs> right, mate. I appreciate your time. Um, Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. Guys, episode six of Talking Sense podcast. We've done. Andy, we appreciate you joining in. Thank you. We'll be joining next week. All right. Peace. That's good. No, take care.